0: Hole number nine at Kiwa Island, that's where this week's WGT challenge is, and it's going to be a little bit more challenging mm-hmm. this time, because you can't just play it a million times. So, Have you seen any hole-in-ones yet, Ryan? Zero hole-in-ones. <laughs> I think the closest I've seen so far is like seven feet, but I haven't gone through all the answers yet. So uh, make sure you get in, go to freewgt.com, play along with us. Uh, each week there's a winner, and... There will be a grand prize winner just for entering. You get a raffle ticket, uh, and the grand prize will be a jersey of your choice or tickets to a game. So make sure you go to FreeWGT.com and play today.
1: In a perfect stranger, they become a friend. Having a good time when the orange and blue, WIN. Tune in every day with the good
0: folks
2: down D-N-V-R.
0: DNVR. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast, presented by StravaCraft Coffee. Shout out to StravaCraft Coffee for getting us all upstarted today. And alongside me, of course, the great Andrew Mason and Zach Stevens. And I don't know why I podcast with such weird people, but one of them is sitting on the ground and one of them is standing up. Uh, Whatever
3: makes you comfortable. I remember my dad and I, when I was a kid, sometimes if we were watching a game that was really getting interesting, especially a tight college basketball game, that the two of us would be basically sprawled on the oriental rug in our living room close to the TV as it's getting down to the final moments. And my dad by that point was like late 40s, early 50s when he did that. So I guess I just learned it from him. Well, I'll tell a story about my dad as well.
2: Anytime there's you know a family gathering or a lot of people in one space and there's not enough seats He's always standing. People are like, oh, Mike, do you want the chair? And he's like, no, I sit all day. I, of course, I, I want to stand. It's a little
0: break, so that's how I feel right now. I want to stand a little bit. You guys are weird. Mace <laughs> looks like he's like getting ready to eat a Japanese dinner. He does. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Got a lot of experience with that, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm just sitting on a couch. You're comfortable. I guess that makes me normal. Uh, but normal's not always good. All right. Let's jump into this and... Uh, since all we had yesterday was really our instant reactions to the Bradley Chubb news, I want to start there. We've since talked to Vic Fangio. Uh, Chris Harris spoke a little bit at his charity event last night. And Zach, I'll start with you. What's your reaction, especially after talking to Vic Fangio and, and kind of where this team is at right now?
2: To me, and taking this in, it just goes back to Bradley Chubb's toughness and his heart and passion for this game because we did find out that he tore the ACL at the beginning of the fourth quarter and it you saw him come off the field when you look at the replay he throws his helmet he knows something is wrong Ryan you said you talked to someone uh, who said right after that and when he was being looked at in the tent and on the sidelines he was visibly upset in tons and tons of pain went back uh, to the locker room and then, you know what he does? He comes back on the field when his team needs him. Now, he didn't get the, the final stop. He and Von Miller weren't able to get, uh, like well, I say, were able to get to Gardner Minshew, but just not quick enough on that last drive. And Vic said, you know, he, ha- he played a hell of a series that last drive. What, what this is the type of player and person that this Broncos team needs, which makes it even more of a bummer that he's going to miss the rest of the season. But, boy, this is a guy that you want to build your team around.
0: Can I play devil's advocate there? Love Mm -hmm. to. Uh, How in the world is he let back in the game?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You're talking about your franchise cornerstone. By the medical staff? At this point. And I understand he wanted to be back in there, and and I uh, praise him and I commend him for that toughness. But come on now. Uh, I realize it's hard to diagnose these things, but if there's any question, there's any question because, look, it ended up being a partially torn ACL. That's for the better. What's to say it, it couldn't have torn all the way while he's out there, uh, you know, rushing the passer on third and fourth or on third downs? Of these?
3: Well, I mean, you've got a lot of the same medical staff that was part of kind of uh, not properly diagnosing and treating Julius Thomas. Let's not forget
0: Devontae Booker had a yeah. broken wrist and flew under the radar. Let's not forget that Shane Ray had multiple comp, uh, complications. Bryce Callahan his. has something mm-hmm. weird going on, clearly. We're not doctors. so I'm married I don't to know one, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's more than I can say. I don't know how qualified I am to criticize <laughs> doctors, but I just feel like it's not uh, – some, something was, went wrong – from a medical standpoint when you let a guy with a partially tar- torn ACL go back into the game so especially after he's crying like clearly something was wrong.
2: I completely agree and that that's what I thought so I talked to someone and uh, from what I understand that, that this is just something that I heard so I'm not positive about this but I think it's pretty easy to diagnose Achilles, ACLs, things like that especially I mean I don't think you really need a, uh, an MRI of course you get one to, to make sure it's official but from what I've heard it's pretty easy to do that test. When it's partially torn, it, I, I've heard it could be sometimes a little bit trickier to diagnose. But, I mean, come on, Bradley Chubb's not a guy where we've we've called him soft ever or, or we thought that he's a guy that's not going to play through pain. So you thought they would have listened to that a little more. I, I agree. It seems a little weird.
3: Well, with a partial tear, maybe as they were evaluating it right there on the sideline, the knee had a bit more stability than it would with a complete tear.
0: Right, with a complete tear, they usually say like, "Oh, it's feared that it's a torn ACL." Yes. Then they go get the MRI. Then it, we didn't confirm. hear
3: about the fear at all, you know, until
0: yeah, and, Monday. And, and to me, it just kind of comes back to the whole win now thing. It's yeah. like if you had perspective on this, you would have said, "All right, Bradley Chubb is is the future of this team. This game really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Let's set him down." But that's just not the way they think, and it's not the way football players think. And I don't know, I don't know if it's the way the medical staff think or the coaching staff was thinking. So, to me, it's just like, man, you just, especially if anything happens from here on out, please take the utmost caution with whoever you're dealing with. I mean, Von Miller, like, he's probably still going to be around here. Please take caution with him, uh, Cortland Sutton, I'm Noah Fan, all these guys. I'll touch Wood. I hope nothing happens to them, but. Keep the, the greater picture in mind here. There's n- n- These wins and losses from here on out don't matter.
3: And actually, with some of those players, if they're going to be on the trade market over the next few weeks, right. you definitely don't want them getting hurt because let's say you're planning to trade and Emmanuel Sanders. We don't know if that's the case, but just we're speculating here. If you lose him, you're waving goodbye to a third-round pick potentially in the 2020 draft, and maybe... If you have that injury, it means you're waving goodbye to a third-round comp pick, even if you didn't trade him because his value on the market might go down to where the comp pick you get back from is only a fourth or a fifth.
2: Exactly. Guys, I don't know if we've said this publicly yet, but losing this Sunday could be in the best interest of the Broncos in every single reason because it goes to the win now. And right now, John Elway could be sitting up in that office saying, We still got a chance. Oh my god! One one team's done this before. One team's done this before. So we're in win now mode, and that filters down not just to Vic Fangio, but maybe to the medical staff, like we're talking about. And uh, you know what? If they lose on on Sunday, John can't point to anything to say that we have a chance this year. He can't point to a single thing, and that is probably in the best interest.
3: Well. There is one thing he could point to oh, if they're 0-5. <laughs> he they're could Colts. say, if we get to 1-5,
0: right, teams right. have made the playoffs <laughs> from 1-5.
3: Oh. Uh, give me a break. Oh, uh, Real gosh. quick
0: on just how big of a loss this is. I know there's kind of been some people have been disappointed, I think, in Bradley and Vaughn as a duo at the beginning of the season. Obviously, they got on the board there uh, in that game. Bradley Chubb. This is from James Palmer of the NFL Network. Bradley Chubb is the only player in the NFL since the start of 2018 to have 13 sacks, 80 tackles, and multiple forced fumbles.
2: What's that tell you? It tells you he's damn good, but also a complete
0: player. Exactly. And where he's been underrated, just because it doesn't pop up on the stat sheet, really, other, other than in tackles, and no one gets excited over tackles, is that he's a beast in the run game. Think about the people that are in the NFL. No one, not Aaron Donald, not Khalil Mack, not Von Miller, not any of these guys have 13, 80, and multiple force fumbles, and Bradley has three. And it's, let me
2: remind you really quick 16 of those games were during his rookie season. He's a beast in the run.
3: And he's a beast in the run because he's got 4.65 speed and he's 269 pounds. So he's just a beast, a freakish athlete altogether. And that's why it's going to be impossible to replace him you're trying to recreate what he does but the reason why Vic Fangio is talking about a committee is because Malik Reed he's 237 pounds
0: he's a pass rusher Henry's coming in here in two weeks yeah
3: he's a pass rusher but he doesn't have the bulk to be strong at the point of attack Justin Hollins he's 250 but he's not And he has speed, but he doesn't have the Bradley Chubb bulk, the Bradley Chubb strength, the point of attack. So, yeah, there's no replacing what Bradley Chubb brought. You're trying to piece together things, but at the same time, because you're saying, okay, Malik Reed's more of a pass rusher, maybe somebody else, if you bring in a Dakota Watson, for example, someone like that is more of the guy you're using in base package on downs where the opponent's likely to run, then in all likelihood... The opponent is going to is going to play call to counter that. They see Malik Reed out there, might be more likely to run at him.
0: Oh, boy. more likely. I mean, why would they ever run to Von Miller's side the rest of the season? Oh boy, just look at what this looks like right now.
2: First half against Jacksonville, they had Leonard Fournette, or as Vic Fangio calls the good back. They had him. He didn't do much. What wasn't really a factor against the Broncos. Bradley Chubb in the third quarter, on and off the field, dealing with cramps. What happens? The run game starts to pick up. And you take they, Josie Jewel
0: out of the equation,
2: too. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Now, what happens in the fourth quarter when Bradley Chubb is dealing with a torn ACL, and he's on and off the field with cramps as well? They continue to run the ball down your throat. Now, you don't have Bradley Chubb for the rest of the season. What's Melvin Gordon thinking? He's thinking, oh, my season debut is going to be a fun one. Phil, you take the day off. I've had some rest. Just give me the ball. And wow. that, I'm going to run on you guys. And then, of course, Derrick Henry. They just put up 265 yards against the Broncos defense with Bradley Chubb. What's it going to be without?
3: Well, you also know Austin Eckler's had a good start to the season, and he always gets up to go against his home state team.
0: Who <laughs> boy. Uh, maybe
2: we don't have to worry about a potential 1-5 start.
0: Maybe we don't. Um, man... Malik Reed is going to make some plays in the passing game. Mm -hmm.
3: I think he Um, could end up with eight, nine sacks by the time the year is
0: done. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he is a pass rush Mm -hmm. specialist. But, again, he's 237 pounds. They're going to have some trouble. (laughs) And it's funny that this happens. Maybe it's not funny. It's interesting that this happens the week after we, you know, all these problems arise in the run game, and then it's like, okay, well now you've taken out your best run stuffer along the front, and you're going to put in – I don't know who they're going to put in. I mean, I'm shocked they still haven't signed Dakota Watson as it sits here today. Classic
3: case of leaky boat syndrome, LBS, and it's a common affliction with bad teams. You think you plug one hole and then another two pop
0: up. Yeah, I mean, the offense has their best game of the season, and all of a sudden, you can't stop the run to save your life.
3: I mean, now I'm looking at this team, the way it's constructed, the trends that are developing. This may be a team that actually loses some 45-31 type of games. If the offense continues to grow, I welcome it. <laughs> I just, a, you're saying they're losses, but they're different kinds of losses. Yeah, I just want to see some like
0: fantasy points. Don't put we up. deserve that? <laughs> right, that's what I'm I just want to see touchdowns.
3: Joe Flacco, garbage time king.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean. Hopefully it's Drew Locke just right. tearing oh. it up, putting
3: up. That,
2: that's, man, if this season ends with the Broncos winning five games, but all five of those were Drew Locke, and Drew Locke goes five and three. And they're losing 40, or let's say they go 0-16, and, and Drew Locke is putting up 41 points a game. You're feeling pretty good. If they go 0-16, <laughs> there are going to be very
3: few people that survive this, including the quarterback. Unless
2: you're putting up 40 points a game.
3: The quarterback
0: will survive that. Via <laughs> uh, early. I want to know, well, this is a conversation for another day, so I'll save it. I was just going to, no, we're going to save it. By the way, happy Locktober.
2: (laughs) Happy Locktober. We made
0: it. It's upon us. Uh, It's also known as, as I think, your girlfriend referenced last year, spooky boy season. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Things have already gotten plenty spooky for the Broncos. I didn't think they had to wait for October. Um, But anyways, yeah, Drew Lock can return to practice this month within the next few weeks. And that's, I mean, there's two, there's gonna be two seasons this year.
2: Uh,
0: what would you call it? It's uh, B, BD before Drew and AD <laughs> after Drew. So, anyways, uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about here in the first segment is Chris Harris. We talked about it yesterday and we were pretty adamant, uh, we, we were, we were strong in the sense that if chris doesn't want to be here then, then why are you keeping him here you know you don't need prisoners in the locker room and chris walked it back about as strong as you could <laughs> yesterday he tweeted out i love the broncos i don't want to leave actually i don't know if he said that exactly and that was actually one of my points he said you know i love the fans anyone who suggests i don't want to be here is flat out wrong blah blah, blah. but he never once denied that he said that. And then when he spoke about this at his charity event last night, he did not deny that he said that once again. He just said, I love the Broncos. I love the organization. Uh, I love the fans. And, and all of those things can be true, but he can also want out. Exactly. And I point to to the second one of his tweets where he
2: says, I love being a Bronco, and the only thing I, I am unhappy about is losing Anyone who suggests otherwise is flat out wrong. Hashtag Strap Harris.
0: So hmm. that that's a reference to like he's not unhappy about the coaching staff, he's not unhappy about et cetera, et cetera. He just is sick of losing. And what
2: are the Broncos doing right now? Losing. They're they're losing. And oh, so Ryan, I, I think that's exactly the point I take is it's great for Chris to come out and, and say these things, but he doesn't say no, I never want to be traded. I want to end my career a Bronco. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, hoping to talk to John this week about a contract essentially. It, it's nothing about that. He's saying the right things, but hey, who blames him if if he wants out? Uh, personally, I don't think there's there's anything wrong with that. Understanding um, that he's going to be gone after this year because just how far apart John Elway and Chris Harris were in long term negotiations. So. Understanding that that's the case, it could benefit both sides from moving on this season. Well, and
3: also if he doesn't like losing, why would he want to be here anyway?
0: There's gonna be a lot of that this year.
3: And it looks like this team has a long road out of it. This is not going to be a quick fix.
0: And that's all. And this is a longer discussion. And but that's always been the most frustrating thing for me about this is that you've now put off this rebuild for three years, mm-hmm. and it's probably going to take two, at least, unless Drew hits. Once, once you got your quarterback of the future, you can turn things around pretty quickly. But even yep. look at some of these teams that do have their quarterback of the future that we kind of thought, okay, this is the year for them. The Jets, obviously they don't have Sam Darnold, but they don't look like a great football team. Um, the Browns are struggling a little bit now. They, it looks like they kind of got it on track. Um, but it doesn't guarantee anything. But the point is, it takes some time once you accept it. It's not like you can say, okay, we're rebuilding, and then be rebuilt by the by the start of next season. So that's what's been the most frustrating thing about this to me is they keep trying to put it off, and, and we think, okay, maybe this is actually going to work. And then they end up taking a step back, trying to take four steps forward in one leap. And now you've got yourself in a situation where you're, you're not going to be good again in Chris, when Chris Harris is still playing good ball. You're not going to be good again while Emmanuel Sanders is still playing good ball or even Von Miller. You've put yourself in a weird position now where you aren't going to be able to capitalize on some of these veterans. And you might have been rebuilt by today well, if you had
3: accepted it. It all comes back to Paxton Lynch, right? First-round quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened, but that's a th- you miss on the first-round quarterback. That is a three-year mistake. That's how much it puts you behind. And just think of what happened in the three years after Paxton Lynch. The Broncos kind of dilly-dallied with Trevor Simeon for a while. They signed Case Keenum, but they thought, okay, maybe Paxton Lynch can take a step back, be a backup, and figure things out. So you get to the 2018 draft, a quarterback-rich draft in which you're picking number five overall. And because you've signed Case Keenum and because you still think Paxton Lynch with some time can put it back together, then you don't move up for Sam Darnold, who you like. And and then you get to 2019 and you're starting the process all over with Drew Locke while bringing Joe Flacco to kind of be that Band-Aid quarterback.
2: My buddy joked about this with me last night. He said, what if... John goes out this offseason, signs Eli Manning with that top five pick. Drafts a running back in order to stay competitive. I mean, who who knows that John is actually going to accept that it's a rebuild? Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> God. I, I Obviously, the Eli Manning thing won't happen because if you're going to do that route, you're just going to stay with Joe Flacco. I well, think
3: I good. need a Tums or something <laughs> right now after what you just said. I believe I, I just had a massive attack of <laughs> stomach acid or something by you saying that, because I just feel awful. I feel in my gut like I'm going to throw up right now.
0: Here's the thing. Sorry, Mace. It's okay. Here's the thing is John has always been trying to capture the window with this defense, and that window officially closes after this season. I think it's closed already. Well, it's playing. it is, but you don't really have – there's nothing you can do about it now. The, the thing is you're, you're not going to have Chris. Uh, Derek Wolf's contract is up. Shelby Harris's contract is up. Uh, you know, go through it. Will Parks, Justin Simmons, all these guys, you're going to be starting f- over pretty much from a defensive standpoint. And because of that, I think that's where John is going to say, okay, now we really have to look at the way we're building this thing. And that's my greatest hope as it comes to rebuilding is, okay, this has all been an effort to to – capitalize on the window with the defense. It appears as if the window has closed right before our eyes, um, but at the very least, you know that a lot of these players are going to be gone next year, and so you can't just keep saying you want to capitalize on the window with the defense. This is
2: wild. I know we've talked over and over again for months about how many defensive players, specifically contracts, are expiring after this year, but think about it. Think about the starters and the players on this defense that could not be here next year. You look at the defensive line, all the starters could easily be gone. All their contracts are expired. Uh, inside linebackers, Josie By Jewell. By the way, with
0: the way they're playing, that's sure. fine.
2: Sure, sure. Jo- inside linebackers, Josie Jewell is on a rookie deal, so that's not a big piece to you. Todd Davis, I think his contract goes one more year, but he can, you can move on from him, I believe, with either $1 million in dead cap or 0 in dead cap after the season. So there, your front, your first and second line, can be totally wiped out, and then Chris, his contract's expired. Uh, you, you will have Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan, although we've only seen one of those oh. guys. So there's one guy on this defense, and that's Kareem Jackson that we've seen that could be around. And Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. And, and Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, exactly.
0: And I guess, you know, depending on the way things go as the trade deadline approaches, there's no guarantees of that. There is that out in Von Miller's contract. Yeah, we don't expect that, but it's possible. That's, um, that's wild though, right? It is. And that's why I think, okay, John's going to sit back and say, all right, well now we, we don't have any choice, but to rebuild because we have to, we have to set a, get a whole new defense. Yep.
3: What's interesting is that if you do trade Von Miller, it basically chews up a good por- chunk of the salary cap space you created this year by restructuring Joe Flacco because of the dead money hit. But then of course he's off the books for 2020. So the accounting balances out in the end.
0: All right, let's take a little Breck break. We do that often at the office now that we have a uh, a cooler full of Breck beers. Well, it used to be full. Now it's half full.
2: So you're going to enjoy the next segment after we take this Breck break.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> a little Breck break. Shout out to Beers. beers. Uh, make sure you check out the Hootenanny if you're in town. It's uh, October 5th, a fun little event that they're doing down at the brewery uh, or at the campus, I think they call it. It's just, It is a full-scale operation they have going on over there. They're going to have concerts. Um, I saw they were doing uh, this weekend bobbing for apples, and if you get one, you get a free Colorado core. Um, So head down there. The Disco Biscuits are headlining the event. My favorite. That's Zach's favorite band. (laughs) Were they big
3: in 1978?
0: I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so, but uh, it should be a really good time. Get some Breck beers, listen to some good music, play some fun games, whatever. Make sure you head down there. All right, let's take a quick break. And on the other side of this, we're going to get to your questions.
4: When looking for a new home, location is so important. And as sports fans, you obviously want to be close to your favorite sports teams. So if you're in the market of buying a new home, you got to check out ARIA Denver Homes. They are located just 10 minutes away from downtown Coors Field, Pepsi Center, and Broncos Stadium at Mile High.
1: So what makes ARIA Denver unique is the home buying process is all about you. You know, we offer free home inspections. We make sure we're in a great location in Denver, um, as well as we outreach into the community and have a lot of involvement with a lot of different businesses, as well as, you know, parks and other areas
4: in the location. Like Tyler mentioned, Aria Denver believes the home buying process is all about you. That's why they offer that free home inspection, customizable finishes, and brand new appliances. But that's not all.
3: So we specifically have a greenhouse on campus at Aria. Um, that residents are able to sign up for a subscription service and have fresh veggies delivered to their door each week. And then we also have a great relationship with Regis University. So our partnership with Regis allows residents to have
1: access to the fitness center and gym.
4: Move today where everyone wants to live tomorrow. To learn more, go to www.aria.denverskylofts.com or call them today at 720-372-1022.
0: We're rolling along here on the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. And we're going to jump into your questions. And I'll get this first one here. It comes in from Flamanda Cheese. It says, hey, fellas, that was a tough loss. It was good to see Todd Davis back in the lineup. And I think that was a major factor in finally getting some sacks. As I've told you guys before, I'm a flight medic. I just got back from a short contract doing emergency medical and water rescue flights in Antarctica. Woo. Wow, that's crazy. I haven't been able to keep up on the podcast due to lack of Wi-Fi. I was wondering if you could do a quick recap on our injury situation, including how many weeks people can expect to be out. When I got back from the Antarctic assignment, I was shocked to see how many starters, especially in the secondary, were hurt. Okay. Rice Callahan, we're at, what, three to five yep. from here on out? At least. At, yeah. at least. In- IR still a possibility. Yeah a shame yeah um but i guess at this point it doesn't matter just get him healthy for next year <laughs> yep. um you've got juan james might
2: do a little bit in practice this week but vic is not counting on him to play this week so he,
3: he's what? still one to three weeks off yes juan james
0: and he is essentially your left tackle next year when tua is the starting quarterback <laughs> so you might as well just keep him healthy too
3: oh my goodness yeah you went there uh tim patrick injured reserve wrist and uh You only have two recallable IR spots. So we've probably seen the last of Tim Patrick for the 2019. So you have Drew Locke.
2: You have Drew Locke on IR as well as as Theo Riddick. So
0: only two of those guys can come back. And Jake Butt. And Jake Butt. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Jano's back, obviously.
3: Joe Jones is back. Uh, um, Cream Jackson, week to week. With the uh, hamstring injury, missed uh, Sunday's game. Josie Jewell, basically, week to week now with the hamstring injury and as well.
2: Vic said that Kareem was not that close to going this past week, so I can't count on him this week.
0: Uh, Just rest him. <laughs> <laughs> that's my new – and, um, and Ron um,
3: Leary also, he's playing, but he's getting a day off from practice every week for maintenance, basically.
0: Treating the rest of this as the preseason. Just don't play any starters. <laughs> the next one coming I'm in I'm kidding, obviously.
2: <laughs> next one coming in from the Vance says what percentage of Broncos woes can be attributed to the current well,
0: ownership You you jumped ahead a little too fast on oh, Did I? Me. I wanted to read the rest about this Antarctica trip. Oh, I didn't this know we made done. Sorry. He said on a side note, the Antarctic trip was especially hard this year because my partner was a diehard Patriots fan and couldn't stop talking about how much better the Patriots are because Belichick is their D coordinator this year. After getting home, I found myself at a neighbor's Patriots watch party drinking a Bud Light in an effing Patriots can. <laughs> Listening to people tell me how Sam Adams is better than any Colorado beer. Jesus. just uh, You got to get in touch with Breck Brew so they can get Strawberry Sky up here. I'm dying, fellas. Send help. Well, so- yeah. It sounds like you need to come home.
3: And if you're at a party and they give you a Bud Light in a Patriots can, find a glass, <laughs> pour it in the <laughs> glass so you don't have to drink out of that stinking... <laughs> Pats can,
2: or just shotgun it, because then you can like stab
0: the can and and deform it. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's a pretty good policy there, Zach. Uh, go ahead and read that next one. Next
2: one, one coming now. in from the Vance it says, "What percentage of Broncos woes can be attributed to the current ownership issues that this team is experiencing? Thanks, and keep up the good work."
0: are we
3: talking about on-field woes or off-field woes?
0: Well, I think he's saying on-field woes. How much of the Broncos sucking is the fault of the ownership issues?
3: Well, I'd say probably at least 25%. Because you don't have – I mean, Joe Ellis is there as the team president, but you have John Elway who is also the president of football operations. So what you're missing without ownership is you're missing kind of that core central – object around which the solar system that is the Denver Broncos re- revolves. And that's what the Broncos have lacked since Pat Bolin stepped aside uh, to deal with Alzheimer's disease.
0: If, uh, the easiest way for me to do this is just to think about it in our own company and, and for, you, for you know, the listeners, think about it in your own, your own company. You, you, you need someone at the very top who can be the tiebreaker. Who can, you know, give you when you're unsure of something, you look to them and say, Hey, what do you think of this? Uh, you know, someone who just in the end has the the unquestioned leadership. And can you know, put the foot down. Exactly. Or or in yeah, it doesn't always have to be in like a negative sense of like stamping the foot down, but just someone you say like they they're always looking straightforward and just saying like what's the best for the overarching health of this company or this organization or whatever. And, and, you know, not to pat him on the back too much, but like for us, it's Brandon Spano. And, and I always know, I can always count on the fact that like he's waking up in the morning saying what, you know, what's the best thing for the, for the company as a whole. And, and in those same things where you need a tiebreaker or whatever it is, like he's who you turn to. And I think any organization or company or whatever would struggle to not have an unquestioned leader. It's the same thing as the Broncos on the football field. They don't have an unquestioned leader. It's a huge problem, and, and I think you're seeing it you know, twofold on both sides of the organization right now. I
3: think that Peyton Manning, his presence in the building, masked some of the deficiencies that have popped up over the last few years since he retired. Well, yeah, he was Wait, your
0: quarterback. He might as well have been your head coach. He might as well have been your offensive coordinator. He might as well have been your owner. But he
3: was like the central figure in the organization. You know, they kind of, we would joke that if there was an expansion to the building, uh, and you know, I remember when they moved uh, the digital media into a new suite uh, in part of the building that had been renovated, we joked that Peyton Manning built that. Because when Peyton Manning came in, all of a sudden the club seats and the luxury boxes that they had been struggling to sell there for a time in the late 2000s as the franchise waned, Peyton Manning walked in and those things sold out. And the premium areas like that, you keep 100% of the revenue, whereas the regular seating bowl, you keep 60% and 40% goes to the visitors.
2: Quarterbacks can pretty much mask anything, but just look at the Colts. Look, look at Andrew Luck and what he had to deal with with that weird ownership situation, and then look at Peyton Manning. He did and
3: that for fifteen, for fourteen, fifteen years there in Indianapolis. He masked the issues uh, that were there because of Jim Irsey.
2: And look, they still they had success, a lot of success, but one Super Bowl with Peyton Manning for that many years that doesn't seem right.
3: And one of the yep. the other Super Bowl they made by that point, the roster was already getting hollow. Right, and Peyton Manning along with. Reggie Wayne kind of carried that team over the goal line that year.
2: So really, ownership is probably the biggest thing that's going on with this team right now, truly when when you boil it down.
3: It's the most important story, even though it may not manifest itself in the micro of the week-to-week wins and losses. In the macro perspective, it's huge.
0: Yeah, it's a weird thing with a football team because a football team is every day. And the ownership isn't interesting on a day-to-day basis. No. So it's kind of one of those things where you just sit back and wait for the next thing to happen. And you and you cover it, and then it goes away for a while. And then it comes back up, and you say, oh, well, here's what's happening. And it's, it's hard for football fans. And I totally understand why most football fans aren't that interested in it. They're just, hey, sitting on the couch with a game on and a Bud Light in their hand and saying, tell me when something happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vertical Hopefully not suit. a Patriots but yeah. Light. Like, yeah. or, or a Breckenridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Vertical socks. If you could immediately rearrange the current coaching staff like this, we should do it. Elevate Munchak to head coach, promote Cooper to O-line coach, and make Vic defensive coordinator calling plays from the booth.
2: It's my Vic in a box. <laughs> and I would love my Vic in a box. So, yeah, I would.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I admit, and uh, I think Vic Fangio can become a good head coach, but I admit during the – hiring process Mike Munchak was my number one choice looking at the resumes I liked the idea of bringing in somebody who had been a head coach before had done some good things made some mistakes learned from those mistakes the other thing with Munchak and look at how the Titans immediately collapsed after they kind of guided him out the door he kept that team a team that really didn't have a lot of talent kept that team together and competitive so That would be intriguing, but that's not going to happen. I do, however, want to see Vic Fangio in the box. Uh, mm-hmm. I
0: would. You you said you would.
2: I would do it because it means getting Vic to the box, and I think the Broncos are just being stubborn about this. But
3: they they can't make Munchak the head coach and demote Vic. They're not. Well, it doesn't I mean, work that it does, way. It's a, it's a realist, hypothetical. Right. S- yeah. Situation. yeah. Obviously,
0: the situation would never happen. That's. I don't think that's ever happened where a head coach got demoted and stayed on the staff.
2: You'd have to give him a pay raise to demote him in order to like kind of balance
0: it out. There was a rumor that circulated last year that one of the ideas that circulated around, remember when there was the rumors of bringing in Mike Shanahan? Mm-hmm. There was a, an idea that floated around that they would bring in Mike Shanahan as the head coach for last year and then just demote Vance Joseph to defensive coordinator. Oh, Have
3: they watched Vance Joseph's defenses? They coordinate coordinated over the years in Miami. Yeah, Duh. and now in Arizona, of course, it's just awful. <laughs> I mean, what, he has
0: what, no talent in Arizona.
2: Yeah, watch what you say about uh, Ryan's Arizona Cardinals. Hey, night. they have
0: <laughs> a better winning percentage than the Broncos. And uh, what is that winning it's percentage? Zero. It's half 1, a win. 2, 5. Yeah, one
3: two five. Because,
2: okay, because you get half a win for that.
0: Remember when we had that debate? Oh, oh, and sixteen right. is five hundred. Oh, that's miserable.
3: So basically, it's like they're one in seven. Which the Broncos could very well be after eight games.
2: <laughs>
0: oh. By the way, the, uh, I think I said this yesterday. The Avalanche are going to have multiple chances to get a win before the Broncos do. Wow. The problem is no one will see wow. it. That Did it really happen if it, no one saw it? <laughs> uh, anyways, no, no one might see any of the Broncos games the rest of the year. Um, Except they do have the number one um,
2: announcers on the game this week. How did that happen? Did, I have no idea. I think
0: that Nance and Romo just wanted to go to LA. <laughs> They're like, come on, give us a warm weather trip. <laughs>
2: yeah, I guess the Rams aren't playing at home this week, so you can have the Chargers.
0: Um, what were we just, how did we get here? What were we talking about? What was the question? <laughs> Probably food. Vic in the box. Oh, yeah, I never got to, uh, to answer that. I wouldn't do it um, mm. because, again, I'm going to say this a bunch over the next 13 weeks but this just became a developmental season and you hitched your wagon to Vance Joseph so now I want to see if he can develop into a head coach for the rest of the year I don't even care what he like from here on out he should be very experimental and one of those experiments should be going to the box staying the head coach but in that scenario like Mike Munchak does take on a lot of head coach responsibilities
3: yeah let him have the red flag
0: I think, yeah, I mean, still it's going to be Vic's call to say you should challenge it. Right. Are we sure that, yeah, yeah, you can do this because people have done it with the health issues. I was going to say, are we sure there's not a rule against this? Because like, then Vic would be able to see it on video. And
3: look, what seems revolutionary and wild in the present sometimes becomes the norm in the future. I mean, there was a time when head coaches didn't wear headsets. And it was a big deal. Oh, no Super Bowl winning coach has ever worn a headset. Then Bill Walsh did it in Super Bowl 16, and Joe Gibbs did in Super Bowl 17, and pretty soon after that, every coach was wearing a headset for the Super Bowl, and every coach was wearing a headset for every game. It, again, it's just, it sounds crazy now, but once someone does it and succeeds, it becomes routine.
2: And now we look back on that. How crazy does that sound, that people were skeptical about headsets and stuff, you know? It sounds
0: it, absurd to me. And it, the
2: thing is, I feel... Like I'm already seeing that about coaching from the booth. Now, should every coach go up there? No, because some coaches, like Sean McVay, love to turn their back when the defense is on the field and be with the guys on the bench. So I'm not saying that every coach should do this. But Vic Fangio is a guy. He said he wants all the pasta and meatballs by being up in the booth.
0: Well, then go get all of them. What's stopping? He's starving right now. (laughs) The pro- malnourished.
3: <laughs> the problem is the NFL is just such a risk-averse, change-averse environment.
0: Well, guess what? There's no risks when you're 0-4. <laughs> yeah. The worst thing that can happen what is you're Yeah, what do you
3: have to lose? More yeah. games while well, you're already Your losing. Your winning percentage can't get worse. <laughs> you, have the, you have the longest current winning streak in the National Football League right now. You've lost eight games in a row. You look terrible. Yep. What, what's Again, what's the worst that could happen? You lose another game. Big deal. You're already losing.
0: Print the Vic in a box shirts. Yep, the answer is a Vic in a box. (laughs) All right, uh, next one here is from Bronco Duck. It's a long one. He says, interesting start to the season, gentlemen. Could easily be two and two, but we've snatched defeat from the jaws of victory like no one has before. Oh,
3: other teams have done this before.
0: (laughs) Obviously, our team needs to adjust their perceptions of what this roster can accomplish. I'm sure they are, but change doesn't happen overnight. Trading players that count uh, down the weeks to free agency doesn't happen overnight. Hot take alert. I don't think this is a popular take here, but here it is. Elway is not the problem. One thing I've always loved about John is he always believes he's one piece away from the top of the mountain. He fights, he believes, he's super confident, and, he, and, he's, or, and he's super confident in all the moves he makes. These are qualities that all successful people has. He's taken us to two Super Bowls as an executive. As he sits here listening to Chris Harris Jr. say 13 more weeks, or watches the team fall to 0-4, or sees Chubb out for the year, do we honestly think he isn't aware of the changes that need to be made? Hell no. He knows it. We all know it. At the beginning of the year, like every year, he believed the team could reach the playoffs. I'm not going to fault him for that. That's his job. He wants to put a product on the field that the teammates and fans can be proud of. I don't ever want management to do what the Dolphins have done. They're a joke. Their fans know it. Their team knows it. Tanking doesn't get you championships. Just look at the Colts. It makes you look weak and allows everyone to question your credibility. I want a team that believes, not a team that's counting the weeks to free agency. LA is not the problem. The vets that have developed an attitude of doubt are the problem. We have a losing culture in the locker room, and that sucks. I believe in our youth. I believe in what young players have said publicly. They're owning up, being accountable, and trying to find ways to improve. I'm excited to see Locke this year. I'm excited in our backfield and our young receivers, Reisner, and the youth on this team to motivate each other to get better. I believe in L.A. I believe in this coaching staff. They will turn it around. Probably not this year. But the fan base needs to believe. We're a proud fan base, and it sucks right now, but I'm sick of hearing the negativity. This team has a lot of young talent, I can't wait to proudly watch them every damn Sunday this year. Keep your heads up, Broncos country. Our future will be bright.
3: If you believe in the youth, why did you trade for Joe Flacco?
0: Well, Bronco Duck didn't trade for Joe Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but just kind of the argument there. Right, well, and, and, and I still don't fault that move. We talked about it a lot over the offseason, it just gave you flexibility in what you do. It gave you the ability to not draft Drew Locke at 10. You got to sit there, and then when you saw him on the board still in the second round, you said, okay, well, now we can go get him, and it's not as risky.
3: But you could have had Ryan Fitzpatrick for a fraction of the price of Joe Flacco.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you can get into who it should have been. But the idea was they liked Joe. They thought he would succeed in this system. Um, I I like what Bronco Duck there is saying. It's just the problem is that you're never – you haven't been one piece away from the top of the mountain, and, and you keep trying, and every time that you try and you know reach for the tip of the mountain, you're losing your footing and sliding down even further. The
3: problem is, when they were one piece away from the top of the mountain, they decided that Mark Sanchez was the, the veteran option they were willing to ride in 2016. I still and think
0: they would have won more games with Mark Sanchez as their starter that year. I don't know. Do you, what you say about do that. Do you
3: remember how the team just looked like it lost all confidence in Mark Sanchez in the preseason when he kept giving the ball away.
0: That was so hard to watch because he really didn't want to turn the ball over. Like he knew he just had to not turn the ball over and he couldn't not turn the ball over. (laughs) And and
3: that's why you look back and say, okay, you know, why didn't you bring in a Fitzpatrick then or, or McCown or, I mean, obviously the other thing that came up was Colin Kaepernick. I know you were in a tight cap situation, but why didn't you try to find? Because you found a way to make that work. Any of those guys, you probably could have gone twelve and four
0: in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where, where, where would the Broncos be? Yeah,
2: seriously. And really quick, Bronco Doug, I like your point, but here's the thing: this isn't the first year John's done it. It tried tried for everything, and the, look at the past three years, and you just get stuck in this circle that you can't get out of, and you're 11 and 25 in the past three years.
3: Your past 32 games. You're 8-24. and 24. So that, you were 4-12 and 12 in the last 16 games. You were 4-12 and 12 in the 16 games before.
0: The next one here is from Otis Lockweather. Hey, guys, quick question. If we were only to see Drew for six to eight games, is that enough to make a decision on his future with the Broncos? We knew coming in that he was going to be a bit more of a developmental quarterback. But if we end up taking a quarterback high in the draft this year, then what do we do with Drew? Keep up the good work. I don't think it's going to be enough to know. But it's going to be enough for you to form a – educated guess. And that's the best you can hope for is an educated guess. Does he look like a guy who can be the guy?
2: And here's the thing, fans may not have an idea, but it's all this behind the the scenes work, especially right now. What's Drew doing? Is he getting there at the same time as Joe Flacco uh, or even before him? Or is is he strolling in 5 minutes before the meeting starts because you know, he doesn't really have to be there for all of this stuff. So you find out now then you find out during the season you see his leadership that is going to be a big piece. And then, of course, can he play? But don't, don't expect, like, a, uh, in, what, let's say he plays eight games, don't expect 20 touchdowns and four picks to be, you know, okay, it, anything not that, that's less than that, he's not our guy.
3: Well, if you have those games to evaluate him, then you can sit there and say, okay, we're going to project Justin Herbert. We're going to project Jake Fromm. We're going to project Tua, Jordan Love, name your quarterback. And you have to say, okay, if this guy starts eight games, is he better at the end of those eight than six to eight than Drew Locke is right now? Yep. And if, that, and if you say, well, we had Drew Locke evaluated this way last year, and we've seen his progress through six to eight games, but I've got a Fromm or a Herbert up here, then you go ahead and take the, the quarterback.
0: It doesn't have to be numbers by any means. Um, Patrick Mahomes started one game as a rookie. But he
3: made some high-level throws in that game. Do you know how many touchdowns
0: he threw in that game? One? Zero. Zero. He threw zero touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Paxton (laughs) threw one touchdown and zero interceptions, I believe, in that game. Uh, Or maybe it was one and one.
3: But there were throws that Patrick Mahomes made in that game where you said, wow, and overwhelmingly I thought as I watched that game, this guy is going to be a problem for a long, long time.
0: It was like two degrees. He's throwing – just absolute lasers in the seam to the tight end, like 35 yards down the field.
3: It certainly made the Chiefs more comfortable with trading Alex Smith a month later.
0: Right. So you don't need to see 20 twenty touchdowns to four interceptions. You just need to see it. Exactly. And, and, and if you can't see it then you're in trouble anyway. Exactly. All right,
2: next one coming in from Bronco Nugs. He says, with this loss, do you guys see us trading away some of our veteran players we have? I say at the very least we should trade Vaughn for two first-round picks. Would anyone be willing to do that, you think? No. What could we get for some of the other guys? Yeah, no.
3: I think with Vaughn, if you do trade him, it's a one and maybe a mid-round pick. I think with Chris Harris Jr., if you did trade him, you're hoping for a two because it'd probably be a late second-round pick but you might take a three. Emmanuel Sanders, I think you'd probably think you'd be thinking a three and maybe a day three pick, a five or a six.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're the Broncos, you put out your price and put it high on all these guys right now and just say, go ahead, start making offers. The
3: key thing for Emmanuel and Chris Harris Jr. is more than you would get in compensatory pick value, which is end of the third round. Right. So that's a thing to consider.
2: And Vaughn, yeah, Vaughn is a, a one. Yes. One first.
3: From Brian, first off, worst birthday present ever. I turned 30 Sunday against the Jags. I'm tired of this team looking flat. I'm tired of the lack of depth at every position. I'm tired of this team. At this point, just play and lock. There is nothing that Joe provides over Drew. No pre-snap adjustment. No athletic ability to create. Once he's healthy, play the kid. Worst of all, my beautiful girlfriend got me tickets for next weekend's Chargers game, and I'm honestly tired of throwing money at this team when there's no effort of change. Oh, and Bradley Chubb is out. I really do hope that we give Vic a chance to rebuild this team, FML, and bleh about this team. Also, been gone for a minute. What's the change to DNVR about? It's dope.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, we just evolved a lot since we launched bsn denver in april of 2015 uh and we felt this was a perfect time we made some new hires including mace a couple guys on the nuggets beat uh and we just felt it was time to uh take on a new identity and, and have a name and a logo and a brand that that um embodies what we have become we are denver yep embracing our local roots exactly um i'm sorry that you feel that way that's kind of the worst way to feel about a team is yeah. Um, like, is it even worth it? You well, know, like uh, there's years during, uh, the CU down years where my buddies would be like, Hey, we're going to the game in Tempe. Do you want to come? And it's like, uh,
3: well, I'll tell you this, I Brian, I want to come, but that's going to yeah. be
0: expensive. And right. I'll,
3: I'll say this to you. I mean, if you're, if you want something to make it worthwhile, if you're going to get there more than a half hour early, right right here in the comment section, let me know where you're going to be sitting, where you're going to be hanging out. I'll try to stop by. There
0: hey, you go. Now it's worth Love it. it. Next one.
2: Oh, mates you. You got it. You got it. Next one from Sonny Rainy says, all right, so I'm going to move on to the 2020 draft since this season is toast. The question I have is what would you prefer? Tackle, defensive end, defensive tackle, or nose tackle. Um, and uh, Derek Brown is his number one. Um, I'm just not going to read the names since it's pretty far out there. He says, I like – oh, I should have read the names. <laughs> I like the defensive tackle or nose tackle because um, – because Brown has pass rush skills, and he simply can't be moved as a defensive tackle. Even double teams don't root the guy out. Plus, he can play a 5-tech defensive end in a 3-4. Dude is 6-6, six, six, 3 15, and nasty, nasty, nasty. I want to say we pick an offensive tackle, but I doubt we'd use pick one that high. By the way, I don't include quarterback because I think no matter what, Locke is going to be a long is going to get a longer look outside of Tua. None of these guys really move the needle, and Tua has his own mirror issues to fit or own minor issues to fix. Plus, he's not always type of quarterback. He's accurate and mobile. Zing. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: Raquan Davis went to Alabama, so I guess you can rule him out. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, so,
2: tackle, defensive end, or defensive tackle.
3: Honestly, if they're not picking quarterback and they have a top three pick, if they decided Drew Locke is the guy, I want them trading down. I want them accumulating picks. I want them turning that one into two or three ones. Uh, I, the tackles are fine. I, uh, on the offensive line, if Tyler Biotish comes out from Wisconsin at center, I feel a lot better and a lot and more secure about picking him. you got to put money in him. the
0: Biotish jar <laughs> Yeah. every time you bring him up. Here's the thing. If, you're,
2: if John accepts that you're rebuilding and you like Drew Locke, and you think he's your guy, and you're sitting there with the third overall pick, and quarterback goes one, two, and then another team's desperate for a quarterback, well, then you fleece him, and that is the perfect rebuilding. And this team has
3: so many holes right now. Right. It needs to be in pick accumulation mode.
0: Yeah. I I don't hate that, but if Drew's your guy, you got to get a left tackle to protect him. It's true. So don't (laughs) trade back too far. (laughs) Right.
3: Unless you found him in free agency, but I haven't looked at the free agent class just yet.
0: From Sausage saying a Harry, hey guys, I'm no Colin for Mullen, but here's my attempt at a couplet. Couplet. Couplet? I would have said that too. <laughs> no more maybes, if, ands, or buts. The Broncos now clearly suck. Wow. <laughs> I honestly cannot think of anything else to say. There's that. probably
3: a good haiku I can come up with. Maybe I should start doing haikus after every game.
0: I actually mm-hmm. um, had just talked about doing that on a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're, you're talking about other podcasts? Yeah, it was podcast on, cheating.
2: I've, yeah, I feel cheated.
3: Yes. That's all right. I mean, I cheat on you guys on the radio, I guess, so just <laughs> wow. how it, on the radio, how it huh? goes. An eye for an eye, I <laughs> <laughs> World of suck. I appreciated Mace's postgame take that the rebuild has already started and that started with a 2018 draft. I agree. Just look at Sunday where guys from the last two draft classes accounted for every rushing yard and two-thirds of the receiving yards for the Broncos. There is no doubt that past Elway ruined the 2019 Broncos roster. But when we evaluate Elway, we need to ask, what are you doing for me now? And the answer is the present Elway is doing everything you could ask to set up the 2021 Broncos and beyond for success. To illustrate my point, over the course of five drafts, 2013-17, to 17, the Broncos brought in two above-average starters, Justin Sim- Simmons and Andy Janovich, that is, if you count Jano, As a starter, you could make a strong argument that there are zero Broncos draft picks on the roster that are currently in their prime. Yikes. But Elway has turned that around by producing above-average starters out of the early rounds of the draft with guys like Chubb, Sutton, Reisner, and Fant. That's not even including Phil as an undrafted creation or guys like Jacques Locke. (laughs) Jewel and Winfrey or others who could become above average starters in the future. Even if you look at moves like the Flacco trade, I still like the move. Flacco is the only thing separating the Broncos from teams like Miami and Washington. Yes, we're losing every week, but we are remaining competitive, which is important for the development of these young players. As long as he puts out grade A draft classes, Elway needs to stay. The guy who caused the problem is already fixing it. Trust the process.
0: Okay, I want to take this opportunity to talk about something that I tweeted out last night that was controversial. Breck Bruise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was referencing the 2017 draft class, yes. and it came to my attention thanks to a tweet from Mace that Chris Godwin, who has become a fantasy god – Uh, was the next receiver taken off the board after Carlos Henderson. And that reminded me that this has happened a couple other times in that draft class. So I went back and looked. And it's ugly. The next tackle taken after Garrett Bowles, Ryan Ramchek, an all-pro. The next one after Carlos Henderson is Godwin, who is trending maybe towards being an all-pro this year. (laughs) And then, of course – in, this, in the fifth round, the next tight end taken after Jake Blatt was George Kittle.
2: <laughs> Why you got to do me like that?
0: So I tweeted this out, and, and some people were, like, very mad about it.
3: Because they don't like the hindsight the drafting.
0: Hindsight, I'm not playing hindsight. I'm not saying John Elway should have drafted those guys, although I will say it about Ramcheck. Ramcheck is the one where you say that was a bad evaluation. They got it wrong.
3: I think in some ways it's a worse pick than Paxton Lynch.
0: You could make that argument. So, again, I'm, I wasn't, I j- all I said was I tweeted out the names, and then I said brutal. And all I was saying is, like, that's kind of the way things went around here for a couple of years in the draft. It wasn't me saying John Elway's an idiot, and he should have picked all of those guys. No one can do that. We loved the Jake Butt pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carlos Henderson looked like a baller. We, we thought he was going to be good until we talked to him. And uh. <laughs>
3: But therein lies the problem. Like you mentioned, Vance Joseph's brother was on the Louisiana Tech staff.
2: He was position they should coach. Shouldn't you have just met with a third-round pick? We're not talking undrafted rookies. Yeah,
0: he was at the combine. Also,
2: what about quarterbacks? Speaking of Paxton, shouldn't you have talked
3: to it, him? And the thing is with Carlos Henderson, he's not your garden-variety bust. Yeah, I mean, he guy, never got on the field. The guy ate marijuana at a traffic
0: stop. <laughs> <laughs> and never took one snap in a game for the Broncos. But did you yeah. see the cars he was driving? <laughs> Looked fresh. <laughs> okay, anyways, all I was saying is I, I wasn't I wasn't saying John's an idiot for not drafting those players. Um, but it also leads me to, to this point from World of Suck, which is a good one. John has learned since then. Mm-hmm. He had one of the worst draft classes maybe in history of the NFL, got one player who's playing out of it, and he's not very good. Um, but he learned, and that's all you can ask of someone is to learn from their mistakes. And that, that's what
2: boils down to me is everyone It pretty much is calling for John Elway's head. And maybe that's right or wrong, but you got to look at the realistic uh, situation that's going on. Joe Ellis is the one that would fire him, and I think that Joe Ellis is going to give – is going to give John every single chance before he asks to fire him. I don't think it'll ever happen, but Joe's going to fall back on that. Joe's going to say, he's trending in the right direction now. Why would I fire him when he's starting to get it figured out?
0: And a big question that everyone's asking is, why would you trade players like Vaughn and Chris and Emmanuel to get uh, uh, draft picks just so Elway can screw him up? That's like you know, a a snarky narrative that's going around. They've figured
3: out a template.
0: Right. They for the
3: most part. They go away from it from time to time, but in general, this emphasis on team leaders, team captains, most of your picks exhausting their college eligibility. This is what's gotten you what appears to be two consecutive above average to maybe excellent, in the case of the 2018 draft, draft classes. So keep doing that, and with more picks, you can work your way out of this eventually.
2: Next one coming in from Count Flacula. He says, do you hear that? Those are not the cries of Broncos fans. No, that is the nascent wailing. Did I get that right? Nascent. Nascent wailing of Count Locula being born. His barbaric wops are soon to be filled. Yop. Fill- oh, yop. Mace, do you want to take <laughs> it? A, it's a
3: line from... um. I think it's from Walt Whitman, and it was cited in Goodwill, or not Goodwill Hunting, uh, Dead Poets Society. I got my Robin Williams yes. films mixed up. Yeah, Barbaric Yawps. I already right, His are Barbaric, barbaric yawps? yawps. It's like a roar, basically. Okay. A Yawp is like, oh, give me whatever you want. You got to sound like a madman doing it. His Barbaric Yawps are soon to fill the void of a quasi full stadium. Avoid the annoyed Broncos fans. That's another 80s reference. Domino's Pizza. Stay warm and start knitting little orange and blue booties for the youngest count is imminent. What 20 centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle? And what rough beast its hour could come round at last? Slouches toward and power field be born. Love the count. I think I should just read all the I counts. I was just going to yeah. say, yeah. you messages. know how like
0: certain pitchers have designated catchers? They yes. always have that. Yeah. You're yeah. the designated catcher for yeah. Count Flack. That's
2: amazing. Next one coming in from Bronco Born, Bronco bred. It says, the news was just devastating. I had the same reaction as Mace. I texted my friend immediately that season is over and it's time to look to the future. This news is especially sad because I feel as though Bradley was the guy who was playing the hardest throughout the season. Maybe Kareem has as well. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious y'all's thoughts on who you truly believe John is thinking about what to do with this season, not what he should do. We all know that he is probably that he probably knows what to do, but his desire to not lose has been hindering him from doing so. Broncos country needs to rally around Chubb. He's the next great one for us if he can come back
0: healthy. Well, I have a good answer for you here. I don't know if you guys saw this, but John Elway was on a radio show recently. I wish I could say what it was. It was one of his uh,
3: interviews for the uh, pharmaceutical tour. Right. ESPN. Was was it with Trey Wingo and uh, Mike Golic? Golic and Wingo. Yes.
0: And he was asked, essentially, if things keep trending in this direction, are you going to play Drew Locke? And I was very worried as I was listening to this as to what the answer was going to be. The answer was about as good as we can hope for, those of us here that live in Locksville. Mm -hmm. Um, He said something along the lines of, let's cross that bridge when we come to it getting closer which was, closer. <laughs> which was as, as good as i can I ha, I ha, hope for to me what he was saying was yes but i'm not going to talk about that yet
3: yeah he wants to see if they can wiggle their way out of it here but yeah that was a, that i agree that was a promising response and like you i was thinking oh no 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 this is not going to be what i want to hear but in turn in the end it was so good job by john elway from sir james radio I don't see what the fuss is about. They make pills specifically designed to help when one loses their chub. Wow. (laughs) Trying to bring some kind of humor to this. (laughs) Mace, since you seem to be my only ally on this, we need to get the word out on hashtag bomb for from. I don't want to tank for Tua, and I really don't want to be busting for Justin. Even the hashtag. Busting for
2: Justin? (laughs) Talking about (laughs) chubs. <laughs> wow.
3: Also, and I'm sure this will be the one I catch some heat on, but I'm still pro Elway <laughs> as a GM. He's only hired one dud of a head coach. John Fox led the team to division championships and a Super Bowl appearance. Koobs led to a Super Bowl win before health forced him to step down. Vance Joseph never happened. It was a bad dream. Denver just didn't schedule any games for 2017 and 2018, okay? The man built the highest-scoring offense of all time in a defense that is in the conversation of GOAT, and we forget that was done in the span of three seasons. He's now stacked two good draft classes together in a row. I still believe in him.
2: You really think John want
0: to? Be bustin' for Justin. (laughs) (laughs) I was was thinking, like, um, horrid for Herbert. Well, and
3: Virginia Beach Bronco follows with this in the comment, uh, replying to Sir James Radio. Hashtag tank twice, Trevor's nice.
0: Oh. Mm. He's actually not that nice this year. Not this year. Did he peak in his freshman year national championship game? Oh, man, wouldn't that be something? He'd still get drafted number one overall. Like, if he was out next year, he would be number one overall, in spite of this. Yes. Well, that's because... Eh, I don't know, man. uh I, I am impressed. But he doesn't... Oh, what was that? That's the first time you said that. since so like October of last year. But I keep coming back to the fact that his receiving core might be, like, the best in college football history.
3: And that's why really I like good. Fromm a little bit more. <laughs> I think from. Doesn't have the same level of talent. It's a very good level of talent at Georgia. But I think Fromm is elevating what he has. And Tua has elite players all over the place who, around him.
0: Who is this guy? Devontae Williams? Is that his name? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Five touchdowns? What the hell? Who? I've never heard of him until this weekend. Nope. <laughs> no. And he was open on every play. Yep. And, and not because they weren't covering him. Yep. You would think they would have after the first two in the first quarter. And like you said, he's not even their best receiver. No, he's their third best receiver. <laughs> but let's
3: see what happens when he goes against a team with a real pass rush. Right. Yeah. LSU and- last year, we'll see them against the Tigers here in a few weeks. That's the game I'm going to watch Tua most closely.
0: I'm, very, I'm worried about Tua the pro prospect a little bit, but... I am blown away about how well he's playing. What what is his touchdown to interception right now? I know the interceptions are 0.
2: I was going to say can you have a touchdown to it's interception ratio?
0: Infinity,
3: like you're divide or it doesn't exist cuz you're dividing by 0, right?
0: Well, y- you just like, don't you just don't s- simplify it down. Yeah, it's just yeah. if it's 24 to 0. It's yeah. 24 to 0 already.
2: It's uh oh, I'm trying to find the exact number. 23 to 0. Wow, good guess, Yeah,
0: wow. Very good guess. Oh, anyways, from the real links, you know, the Chubb injury could be a good thing to happen to us. Same Malik Reed goes out there and Shaq, Barrett and Shaq Barrett's this season gets 10. I mean, what if?
3: 10 in four games like Shaq Barrett has nine in four games? Yeah.
0: <laughs> then you have a situation in which, if I'm GM, Von Miller looks real easy to throw out. Oh, that sentence is just yeah. sad. Then you have two fine pass rushers, draft capital and money. Other than that, some thoughts. One, after the game, I couldn't help but think there's one player who isn't a quarterback who would have us at 4-0, and I'm not taking arguments. The whole roster is the same except for one guy, Ray Lewis. Not even his level play. If you simply had his leadership in the locker room, this team would be undefeated right now. He carried his team. From entering the league to leaving it, he led. It's time for the rookies to make a stand, and anyone who isn't on board goes. Can we
3: look for leaders who weren't implicated in a double murder Mm -hmm. trial here? I'm just saying.
0: Like Peyton Manning? <laughs> yeah two there's two things that the broncos could have done other than get a sack and a clutch moment to get the w over jacksonville open the second second half with a run heavy powerful scheme and show me why janna was there today also manage the clock better than any fan would have
3: yeah emmanuel sanders has got to stay in bounds yep. down inside the 10 yard line yep.
0: Three's reserved four i'm thinking about doing some sort of online college for journalism any tips on what I need to be uh, what I need to be able to accomplish that? Uh, a computer. <laughs> well, and
3: even uh, you know, college is good, but a lot of the best journalists I know didn't even major in journalism. The key is find a place to write, chronicle, and do that. And sometimes, sometimes you got to make your own outlet, as it were.
0: So glad you, know, you, you could, said that. You
3: could do that in today's internet. Actually, you know, one of the things that got me my start back in the early days of the internet, the mid-1990s, was starting a website that covered an arena football
0: team. A lot of people always ask me, how do, you know, what's the best way to get better? How do I crack into journalism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And I just said, write. Write about everything. You watch a game, you have thoughts, write them down. And then you know, people say, well, you know, uh, what's, how about some tips on podcasting? Podcast." podcast about everything you watch some games sit down with a recorder and say you can do it right into your phone these days just speak into a microphone and get your thoughts out and try and make sure you can string them together in a coherent way and
3: something like twitter can be good because of the character limit 280 characters it forces you to get right to the point point. In a way and, and focus in a way that you wouldn't if you're just sitting there, you know, writing prose. So that has value as well.
2: And I would say reach out to everyone, everyone you can possibly do to get advice, uh, like you're doing right now, yeah. to uh, see if you can work with them, intern for them, just do random tasks for them. Reach out to every single person because the worst thing they can say is no, then you move on. But I mean, everyone, send hundreds
0: of emails. Yep. All right, before we move on, there's a new alternative in Colorado for addressing your tax needs. Symbio Tax and Administration provides honest and knowledgeable tax services by a licensed professional for small businesses and families in Colorado. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and the guys over at Symbio are a proud DNVR subscribers and diehard Colorado sports fans. So it's even more of a reason to not go to all those retail tax chains. You'll receive a free consultation so that you can make an informed decision based on your situation. Symbio has literally saved people tens of thousands of dollars with their expertise. So reach out to Symbio Tax today for your free consultation from a qualified tax professional and make an informed decision. Call 303-366-4470 or go to symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-tax.com.
2: Next one coming in from Bronco Terp says, Hey boys, literally writing this after hearing about Chubb going down via the pod. Dagger. I hate to say it, but yes, light... Light a match and start the fire sale. I'd keep Vaughn if possible. It's just too hard emotionally. But everything else is on the block. It's been way too long for Elway and company to keep kicking the rebuild down the road, and hopefully this this is the thing that finally wakes them up. If we're going to be bad, let's get some pieces for the future and see what we have in-house. In your opinion, who are the unsung guys you'd personally like to see get some playing time? I need a Rudy to root for between my terps yikes and broncos it's been a rough two weeks i just want a decent football team to root for again keep up the good work i'll be listening
3: speaking of maryland have you ever seen a team that beat one ranked opponent 63-20 and then lost to another ranked opponent 49-nothing in the same month oh. both at home
0: wow what was it
3: yeah they beat syracuse 63-20 in their second game they won their first game like 79-nothing uh, but it was against um like Howard
0: yeah yeah just one guy named Howard Yeah. <laughs> and then they lose guys they named they Howard.
3: lost 59 nothing to Tempo, or Penn State on Friday night after losing by 3 points to Temple the week before jeez Yeah they're all over the place guess,
2: yeah what what's that say about Syracuse The uh, Syracuse
0: good. lost to uh, Penn State by collective, what would that be? Oh, the transitive 120? property. <laughs> oh, right. They would have lost by fifty
3: nine. Yeah, that'd, that'd be uh, hundred and two. Wow,
0: hundred and two to zero. Syracuse <laughs> so versus Penn State. What a game! All
3: hey, right. And
2: here's what I'll say to your question, Bronco Terp, Von Miller. I'm sorry, it's it's emotionally tough, but he should absolutely be on the table because he's going to get you the most in return. And also, I'll point to one of the guys for who should get some playing time, and that's Justin Hollins from the outside linebacker spot. See if he can be a baller there, because what if both of those guys, Malik Reed and Justin Hollins, turn out to be solid? Then John doesn't have to worry about using next year's top five pick on a pass rusher.
3: I'd also like to see, if Josie Jewel is out for a substantial amount of time with a hamstring, I'd like to see some of the younger inside linebackers, because Corey Nelson doesn't look like he has it right now. Uh, why not see if Alexander Johnson can help you against the run, Yeah. for example? Especially with Bradley Chubb out. You need another thumper in there. I guess the in run. Base.
0: Yeah. I mean, they probably should have tried that at some point the other day. Yeah.
3: yeah, from Trevor E13. Sort of long comment, but thought it might make for a good discussion on the pod. Mace mentioned Vic's need to adapt his defense to the personnel. And, of course, that's part of a coach's job finding out how his players mesh with his philosophy. But I'm wondering if it's not better for the Broncos to play the defense exactly as Vic intends and see which guys can execute their roles without needing to make adjustments. You can help guys like Shelby Harris and Todd Davis for some short-term gains, but if they're not going to be in your long-term plans and the season is over, aren't you doing the organization a disservice by catering to their weaknesses instead of finding out if you have other players who can fill those roles? I think there's real value in young players knowing what to expect and everything staying on message. The rest of the season is all about evaluations. I would give as many guys as possible the chance to sink or swim. Thoughts? I think it's a kind of a personal preference thing. I'm generally more of a of a fan of coaches and uh, schemes that are adaptable to the players that are in there, rather than that are concrete and you're trying to basically mat- put the square peg in the round hell hole and make that player fit. I mean, to me, two of the two, three of the greatest coaches of all time were. Don Shula, Joe Gibbs, and Bill Belichick. What were they? They were adaptable.
0: Yep. I saw a great thing on Twitter this week. Someone was talking about Justin Fields, who honestly looks maybe like the second-best quarterback in college football right now behind Tua. And someone said, like, I can't believe Georgia picked the wrong quarterback twice. And then someone quote-tweeted him and said, well, Justin Fields wasn't a scheme fit at Georgia, He's a scheme fit at Ohio State, and then that person quote tweeted that person and said, "If your scheme doesn't fit Justin Fields, your scheme sucks."
2: <laughs>
0: I would what agree. Does it say, what <laughs> does it say for
3: Jake Fromm that he keeps beating out these talented quarterbacks, though? Time after time.
0: Yeah, I mean it's impressive. I just Justin Fields is better. <laughs>
2: I mean, especially for the college game. Yeah, exactly. Especially.
0: Right, exactly. Next one
2: coming in from DJC15. He says, here's what I'll say about this team rebuilding. It's, whether, it's like whether you live in a house with a massive termite infestation and no exterminators in the world. Would you rather painfully sit in that house as it slowly is eaten apart and by the infestation of losing it and losing until it finally crumbles after years, or would you burn it down and have the whole house rebuilt, loser- it rebuilt termite free from the foundation up one would instant or er, one is insanity one oh yep one is insanity the other is common sense and we all know which is i'm which.
3: building with concrete and bricks baby yeah
0: no termites <laughs> there uh another one from trevery 13 my advice to everyone just enjoy watching the young guys make plays it's made this such a more relaxing experience for me the middle quintet Three defensive linemen and two inside linebackers. It looks like a black hole right now. They need to find five future starters there. And guess what, guys? That's going to take a while. Need to size up the front and speed behind them. On the other hand, big shout-out to Duke Dawson. He's been in the system for just over a month and overall played a heck of a game. With Bosby's recent emergent and Dawson showing something, it's possible the Broncos found a couple of building blocks. Looking forward to seeing more from these two. Yeah, unfortunately, Dawson gave up a really big catch on that final drive.
3: That's yeah. what happens in your first game, though. Yep, he finished, his first pro game.
0: He finishes by saying there are things that c- should keep fans engaged. Twelve games left gives young guys a lot of opportunities to prove themselves to this coaching staff, and there will be one or two young guys emerging as future building blocks who we probably aren't even talking about right now. That would be fun. Embrace the process.
3: And this is why I just want them to come out and say they're rebuilding, adjust everybody's expectations. Who's got the next one? I'll take it. Check you later. Greeting from Scotland.
0: I thought you were just leaving. Not a typo. <laughs>
3: Another soul-destroying end of the game with whatever powers that be doubling down with Chubbs and Jules injuries. We finally hit our 20 points. We took a commanding lead, for us, into the second half. We got five sacks. It all looks so good, taking the devastating third quarter's defensive issues out of the equation. I'd like to ask your take on the offense. I haven't been able to confirm the stats I need, so excuse me if I'm wrong on this. Leading into week four, we were all unhappy with the lack of urgency. Fine if you're winning. As it eats that clock, but we were higher up the leaderboard in plays per drive and time per, per drive, so that could be looked at as good game management, which we know Joe to be, but no real we'll outcome at the end. This week there appeared to be urgency that got us up and running in that elusive lead. However, after the turnover and some quick three and outs, allowing that 10-plus minute Jags possession, I think would it have then be wiser, been wiser to slow it down again to control the game. Is this down to Joe or Skangs, and where do we go from here? Are we a better offense when we speed things up, to, or do we need to adjust better based on what's happening? Regardless of how it ends up this year, got to stay positive. Thanks, as always, for the great content. Love the rebrand. P.S., everyone, feel free to add me on Twitter at orangeinbrewbru.
2: This is something that so many teams do. They get a lead, and then they say, we're going to change everything that we did to get that lead just so that we can milk this lead and just not let it slip away. Well, the Broncos only had a 14-point lead. That's not enough, and they certainly let it slip away.
0: The thing is, is is you just need to get first downs and then you can control the clock and that sort of thing. But they came out, they had that 10 minute drive. And this was, you know, I talk about Flacco being the momentum swing moment. This was the backbreaking moment. 10 minute drive followed by a three now. You just at that point put your defense in such a bad position and the, the Jags completely capitalized on it. It's their perfect formula with a bruiser running back like Leonard Fournette. You, you go out there and you wear down the defense, and then they couldn't even catch their breath before they had to be back out there, and then it was just feasting time for Leonard Fournette.
2: Next one coming in from Def, who he says, These are tough times. My username feels like a cruel joke now, considering it feels like everyone is fuing us these days. <laughs> it's terrible to see Chubb go down. On the bright side, at least it happened now. Hopefully we'll have plenty of time to rehab and get back into football form before the start of the season. Enough of this damn injury bug. I'm curious what you guys think about the potential of Flacco or Fangio losing the locker room and what it could mean for next season. I may be a homer, but I'm with the crowd that believes Fangio will need a season or two to implement his scheme and get personnel who can successfully execute that scheme. With the season trending the way it is, I fear that some players may carry their frustration into next season and not completely buy in. Worries for another day, I suppose. This season is dark and full of terrors. Keep up the good work, guys.
3: Yeah, I think some of that locker room stuff is going to work itself out over the next six months, basically. Between trades, if any, and free agency, expiring contracts, guys the Broncos choose Got to resign.
0: You got to get the guys who believe, identify them over the next few weeks, keep them around, make them the foundation, and get rid of everyone else.
2: Yeah, that's, that's my answer is if you're worried about losing some guys, well then get out the door. Yeah, lose them.
3: <laughs> and I would say this. This team has so many holes, so many needs. I think a Patriot-like approach to free agency would be in order where you're maybe not going after the top one or two guys, but you're going after kind of second – tier guys that are maybe about three to four million dollars a year for specific roles and building up depth at as many spots as possible and emphasizing leadership and character with those pickups
0: all right we are running low on time and we have a lot of comments left so we got to go into hyperspeed here next one's from coach Tobin he says hey guys I hate to hear the news on Chubbs that really sucks because he's the one that has the heart to keep battling no matter what he will return better than ever second if Chris doesn't get traded what are your thoughts on a wide receiver AJ Green just kicking around thoughts in my head. No, you don't trade for players <laughs> yeah. at this point. You trade for picks. Opposite. Uh, third, it's very tough to come into a new situation as a coach. I've had that experience, not on a level such as this, but when I was part of a new staff in Texas that struggled the first year. You were dealing with what is handed to you as far as players, etc., and just expected to start winning. These things really do take time, and once he gets his players and system in place, that's when you can really evaluate. It's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the Xs and Os in most cases. Let's have some fun this year.
2: Also about maximizing the Jimmy and Joes. Next one coming in from Alaska Preston. He says, Hey guys, I have a behind the scenes question. Are you guys naturally Broncos fans or did you have a favorite team that you grew up with and you aren't Broncos fans? If you are Broncos fans, do you ever have a hard time covering them without any bias? On a personal note, my girlfriend and I have been looking at where we'll live once we're done with school and we have officially settled on the Denver metro area. My master plan to work in marketing for DNVR and have Breck Brews cater my wedding is slowly coming (laughs) to fruition, LOL. Serious though, can't wait to come to the tailgates and watch party. Sorry for the long comment today. Hope you three are doing well, and thanks for the great content. And thank you, Alaska Preston.
0: Yeah, we've talked about this a couple of times before um, in the past. Zach and I are both born and raised in Colorado, so clearly we, we grew up cheering for the Broncos. Yep. Um, I was worri- It was one thing I was worried about when I got into this industry was if I would have a hard problem – letting go of bias and it was shockingly easy Mm -hmm. um there's something about just once you're in the building once you're around the players once you're in the press box it just becomes work and there are a lot of people who would say that's a downside like you do stop caring i don't have emotional reactions to the broncos winning or losing at this point as much it's definitely not as much as i used to obviously we want the broncos to win that's obvious you know we care about the fans and the city and the team and all that stuff that stuff you hope for but in the end when the broncos lose you know i'm I'm not throwing a pillow or anything like that like i definitely would when the buffs lose
3: yeah i think uh, i mean i grew up a tampa bay buccaneers fan so i kind of now look at it as though i'm a huge atlanta braves fan in baseball i could not cover that team rationally i'd overreact to everything everything would be better than it actually was or worse than it actually was. I think that's one of the things about fandom is that sometimes you don't really view things as they are because you have that emotional reaction that takes you to one of the
2: polar opposites.
0: Well, I think the thing that honestly made me so good at this is when I was in college, my first chance at ever doing this, I did cover the Buffs, so I did mm-hmm. have to learn how to not emotionally react to yeah. everything. So. Quite
2: a time to be a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Hey, <laughs> Jameis Winston might be the
0: guy. Zach almost jinxed
3: Bru- the other day. Bruce Arians is the wizard, man. Anyway, love thunder down under. You know how everyone thinks that the world is conspiring against them at times? Like nothing fits into your plan or the exact worst things happen? Like the world, all, the, like the world around you all is all about you. Well, everyone is wrong. That can't be true because it's clearly all, clearly all about me. I'm coming all the way from Australia to watch two games for the first time and F me. Most of the players I want to see win games in orange and blue probably won't be on the roster. Maybe I'll get lucky and they get traded to the, the Titans or Kansas City. Thank God for the prospect of tailgating. I had a very long rant about randomness typed out but deleted it because I figured no one wants to hear some tosser from Australia carry on about influence on outcomes again. So I'll keep it brief. Is our interior line big enough? I had understood that the nose tackle particularly, but the ends as well need to be very big and movable bodies with speedy, rangy linebackers. How are Gottes, Wolf and Walker sized to handle the end position on run Downs? Am I missing something here?
0: The the size of Wolf and, and Gottes is not a problem, um, but the size of Shelby Harris is proving itself to be, mm-hmm. and he would be great on the outside as he showed himself last year. Yep. Uh, the problem with Wolf and wolf in particular is he's not as nimble as he used to be and the problem with gotts is he's just okay and that's just who he is as a player is he's just okay right so um i wouldn't say size is a problem for the line on the outsides it appears to be on the inside uh but there now it's now you have size problem at outside linebacker too and that's that's where things get a little bit scary.
2: Weird how when you take a guy that is 300 pounds and he's supposed to play a position that's 330, he's a little too small, right? Weird. Who knew? Next one coming in from Iceman. He says, hey, boys, God bless Bradley and Malik and DNVR.
0: Amen. You too, Iceman. Got a long one here from Behind Enemy Lines. He says, There's a couple quick housekeeping notes. Happy first Happy October 1st. (laughs) Two, harsh news about Chubb, but if he has to miss 12 games, this is probably the best season for it. True. Three is for Mr. B. Four, the drama of this loss felt like delayed karma for the Tebow season, and the Bears game did even more so. Since they're one of the teams we snagged one from. Ouch. I always assumed BSN stood for Boulder Sports Ninjas. You actually got it right. Uh, (laughs) DNVR must be Drew now, Vic. Right? (laughs) Okay, my real comment. I'm a behavior analyst. In my field, we're concerned with understanding how human behavior works, and I, for one, am very concerned with the apparent Fangio approach so far. I think I remember hearing that he doesn't like to be rah-rah during games and so forth and does uh, his coaching in practice, which makes sense coming from the booth. At the time, I assumed, no one else, uh, I assumed someone else would fill his rah-rah role like Munchak, but it doesn't sound like that's happening. Half of getting a good performance from someone is about making sure they know how to do what you're asking of them, and that's what you get from practice. But the other half is motivation in the moment. I was expecting Fangio to be like Belichick, where his players go out there knowing if they make a big play, or even just do their job really well, they'll get the elusive approval or even congratulations from him. And they also know if they screw up, he'll be a cold grumpus, and maybe cut them. It sounds like Fangio isn't doing either, and stands on the sideline on his hands and knees. Or not with, hands with, with his hands on knees, not on his hands and knees. <laughs> Boy, talk
2: about people being upset about <laughs> that'd his be body a really leg. bad look. <laughs>
0: Firing people up, in, uh, when they get back to the sideline, doesn't have to come from the head coach, but it either has to come from the person in char- it has to come from either person in charge, coach or quarterback, or the person doing the most to pull their weight. And Flacco sulked that opportunity away on Sunday. After all, Flacco's been better than I expected, but he hasn't elevated the play of those around him. On the other hand, Tebow and 2015 Peyton Manning were hot garbage, but elevated the play of the other 21 so much that their weaker performances still got dubs. So, to summarize, I'm worried that this team will remain uninspired, an uninspired dud until someone comes and fires them up. Then you might see a big turnaround, and fast. I'm hoping Locke's the dude to do it, regardless of his own stats. It almost could have been Philip Lindsay, but someone had that quote a few weeks ago that no one would listen to a second-year player like him as a team leader. I knew we were in for a world of hurt when we heard that.
3: Yeah. You know, I hate to say this, but Flacco kind of reminds me of Kyle Wharton.
0: And Drew Locks Tebow, and he's going to come lead them <laughs> to yeah. the promised land. But, I mean,
3: just the fact that he's a perfectly competent quarterback and capable, but does he kind of will the whole team to victory. I, I wish Joe Flacco
0: had a massive neck beard and swigged Jack Daniels <laughs> on Saturdays.
2: Joe gets him to 2-6. and six. Drew Locke comes in. 8-0 oh, playoffs. Good
0: luck with that. Oh, <laughs> my God. Well, I guess you could probably make it at 10-6. and six. Wouldn't that be something else? Yeah. Be the greatest
3: story you ever know what told the in most <laughs> history. You know what
0: the most unrealistic part of that is? Uh, them Joe putting- Flacco getting him to 2-6. and six. <laughs> Oh, wow. oh.
2: Wow Because you're saying They go 500 In their next four games (sighs) Yeah That's quite the task Next one coming in from Super Bowl, and he says, We are going to be a great team soon. We have a great coach that is not going to sugarcoat anything, and we have a young core of guys who have a passion for the game and for this team. I know it's cliche, but seriously, if you can't handle something at its worst, you shouldn't reap the benefits of it when it's at its best. I will never understand the overwhelming negativity from fans, especially if you step back and look deeper than the
0: record. There are things, about to, be, there are things to be excited about. Re- I, really quick, I just want to chime in on that. I I am a, I agree with you that if you can't handle something at its worst, you don't deserve it at its best. But everyone handles things differently, and some fans handle that by being very negative. That doesn't if they jump ship, uh, like that one chick who went and became a Jags fan. Forget her name. <laughs> uh, but if you jump ship, then you don't you you aren't allowed to come back. But just because people are being negative and, and they're upset over the way things are, it doesn't mean that they aren't Broncos fans anymore. It's just. It's like grief, everyone handles it differently.
3: I'm pretty sure that jumping ship was about one player. It was about Paxton. Yes, it was. With that particular fan.
2: Finishes and says, I will leave you with this. I bet a whole lot of people don't remember the 2010 season, but love the fact that we have had Vaughn for the last decade. Can't really have one without the other. Ironically, we wouldn't have had the Super Bowl ring either. I Hashtag think, positive vibes, 2K19. I
3: think it would be easier for a lot of people to have, to find, have positive vibes and find the positive if the Broncos would just come out and say they're rebuilding and recalibrate the expectations. I think that is part of the problem here. If you accept the rebuilding, great, but they need to come out and say it. Got a chub for Vaughn. Well, (laughs) damn, does anyone know what to do when their chub is torn (laughs) midway through because ours pushed on and nearly got the job done? Story of my life, really. Wow. (laughs) Too too much info. In all seriousness, though, got a feel for the man. All that work these guys put in, hard to watch it snatched away because the body won't let you compete. At least one positive is that it was week four, not week 17, which would have led to a missing time next season when we have, dare I say it, begun to rebuild. I do have one question. What is the value? Picks players of the following players. Miller, Sanders, Harris, Flacco, Hireman Parks. Just some guys that could be dealt maybe. Love your work, guys. I know it's tough when the team is in this state, but I will always continue to wake at 4 a.m. each Monday to watch the orange and blue. P.S. Those DNVR hats are on fire.
0: Yeah, check out uh, dnvrlocker.com, and uh, we have hats in there now. Shirts are coming soon, and they are sick. We have already talked a lot about trade value, um, so I think we'll move on I'd here. I'd say probably the
3: one that we didn't mention, Hireman and Parks, but they're day three flyers say. on the market.
2: <laughs> to Hireman.
0: From Love Thunder Down Under, thanks again to you guys for the community that DNVR brings. For those outside of Colorado and even outside the U.S., it's a group – where quality, entertainment, and engagement is unparalleled. My one request would be to provide somewhere for DNVR commenters to, po- uh, subscribers to comment and post during games. We're working on it. Not sure if you guys have seen the dialogue on the fan pages for the Broncos and on Facebook, but I've had better insights provided to me <laughs> from a still dripping <laughs> from a several hour old, slightly warm water. It's not great. Chubb goes down. Get ready for the great unwashed to commence with the shack barrage. Yeah, we've dealt with that.
2: Next one coming in from DP thirty one zero seven. He says, Guys, I think some fans are a little naive to how long this rebuild will take. This roster has so many holes. You can't fix it in one or two drafts. Sure, 2018 and 2019 were better than the previous four drafts, but there are a lot of questions about these guys. They have to get more picks in the 2020 draft. It's going to be loaded with talent. So I'm all in so so I am all for unloading Sanders and Harris if you have to. In regards to Vaughn, if we don't trade him, do the Broncos pick up his option in 2020?
0: Yes, I think, think so.
2: If you're going to not pick up his option, trade him.
0: Right, yes. exactly. Yeah. From Lindsay MVP 2020. Okay, here are my last four days of gone in Australian time. Saturday, my team, the Greater Western Sydney Giants, got absolutely toweled by, by Hawthorne in the Australian Football League Grand Final. Sorry about that. At
2: least you're in the Grand Final.
0: Sunday, the Wallabies lose in the last minute to Wales in the pool match in the Rugby World Cup. Sorry to hear about that. Monday, the Broncos lose to the Jags. We know what that means. Tuesday, Bradley Chubb out for the season. Someone give me some Breck Brews so I can get through oh, Wednesday. That yeah. is brutal. I'm sorry to hear yeah. about that. Wednesday can't be nearly as bad.
3: Don't say that. You're going to change it. Chilango Bronco. We wanted sacks, we got five and lost. We wanted to score 20 points, but we got them and lost. We wanted a big early lead. Well, you see my point. Not much love for Jules last games, but he sure is a big piece against the run. We need the young quarter to stay together. Question with a third overall pick. The Denver Broncos select a D-line, an O-line, or a trade-down, provided Drew is the guy, of course, much love.
0: If Drew is the guy, you might really see that trade-down. It's
3: a
2: rebuilding move. John loves the trade-downs as well. Next one from Dylan West 3 says, crushing couple of weeks for this team, but I'm in the opinion that when the boys in orange and blue need the fans even more, it sucks for us, but it's insurmountably worse for them few questions for you guys one ben albright has tweeted out a few times the huge dead money hit that would charge if vaughn is traded this year basically making him untouchable this year where do you stand
3: well on the on over the i think the dead money is coming in with a trade uh, at about uh, eight million dollars
2: to me yeah if you're rebuilding that's not too much for a first round pick yeah it's not it's not it doesn't completely kill you Two, the timetable for drew and when he can start practicing is kind of confusing with IR. When can drew start practicing again? I thought it was two weeks prior to week nine, but apparently it isn't sent a tweet in an article this morning. Thanks for helping keep us sane through the darkest times in Broncos history. You get,
0: you technically get three weeks. You get to practice the week of week seven, the week of week eight and the week of week nine. You have to, the decision has to be made by game day of week nine, as far as I'm concerned. And if you don't activate them onto the roster that day, then they can't come back. So that means two weeks from now he can practice. I believe, yeah, in but it's the
3: Chiefs' week, and that's uh, the short week. Yeah. So basically, it'd be a walkthrough, and then realistically, the first real practice he might have would probably be that following Monday after Thursday night football. So anyway, the real links they should allow college players to rep companies. Then you can have strawberry Herbert desserts. Jake Fromm from State Farm, anything is on the table. One well, California, they want you to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'll just ask you guys on the air. What time do you guys need to get out of here to make it for uh, – Soon. Okay. Uh, pretty soon. I, I mean, we're
3: probably pushing it right now in case they open it early. So.
0: All right. Well, then let's get to uh, one more question, and then I'll let you guys get out of here. It's a long one, so uh, we'll get our money's worth here. From Down the Gooch. I haven't had much to say recently. I don't recognize this team. They don't believe in themselves, so how am I supposed to believe in them? Ouch. I do want to point out a few things, uh, uh, however. For those calling for Flacco to be benched in favor of Locke, I have this to say. You're out of your minds if you think uh, benching Flacco will solve the team's issues. There's absolutely zero evidence to suggest that Locke will play any better than Flacco has to this point. That's not what this is about at all.
3: This is about finding out what you have in Locke. It's not that Flacco is the reason why you're losing games.
0: In fact, the scoreboard for the entire rest of the year is completely insignificant. Yep, (laughs) yep. Flacco didn't allow 200 yards rushing. Flacco didn't allow Minshew. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, Flacco's playing fine. He's, eight, he's like eighth in uh, expected points added or whatever that stat is. Like, he is playing decent football. He's exactly what you traded for. Yep. The problem is the rest of the formula didn't come to fruition uh anyways he says i'm sick of hearing millionaires complain that they're not getting paid enough when week after week they fail to play up to their potential it's a bad look to come out asking for more money when you're not playing well enough to deserve it you want to earn a better contract show it with your play on the field if the defense is getting uh paid as well as they played it for the second half they'd be on government assistance right now Damn. all right i am going to let you guys go here and I'll finish up the comments, the rest of myself. Oh, I'm feeling, oh thank uh, you. I'm feeling generous, and I don't want these comments to keep building up every day and us not be able to get to them. So, I'll finish up the comments. I wish you guys a great day and drive safely. I fear you would If that's something.
3: Have a wonderful day. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Your champ, R.K. Goodness.
0: All right. From Orange and Blue Devils, and the reason that I don't have to go with these guys is because I'm going on the Denver Sports Podcast today while uh, they are in the uh, the locker room talking to the fellas, so listen to that later today. All right, Orange and Blue Devils says, if you look at the construction of the coaching staff, it is really surprising that, is it really that surprising that we're not doing well? I personally think that they'll get it together eventually, but look at Kyle Shanahan, Zach Taylor, and Anthony Lynn in his first season. None got off to a good start. I think it's more difficult to be a first-time head coach than one might think. Sean McVay hit the ground running, but he brought on a very experienced defensive mind to coordinate the defense so he could focus on the offense plus the additional coaching duties. But he did not have to focus on everything at once. Look at our staff. First-time head coach. Our defensive coordinator looks to me uh, like no more than a figurehead. Our offensive coach is not particularly experienced and has never been a play caller at the NFL level. Add that to Fangio having to get used to his uh, being on the field and seeing the game from a different perspective, and this group took over a below-average team with some personalities. Let's face it. As I mentioned, I think the staff will get it together. This group, unlike VJ, shows some substance. They seem analytical. Scangarello, in particular, seems really smart. I'm a Bronco fan no matter what. I'm even coming in for the Cleveland game. Well, I see Drew Locke's first start, but now I'm looking forward to basketball season, hopefully a bit of positivity. Got to admit it, I'm looking forward to basketball and hockey season as well, which starts on Thursday. Um... I think you're right on a lot of points there. Maybe we underestimated the transition period here because there was a lot, we do have a lot of faith in Vic Fangio, and he is a really smart guy, and, and he is a great defensive coordinator. That's never going to change. But when you, when you look at all that stuff, and, and especially when you're staring at 0-4 and, and you're really able to see you know the, the effects that it's had, when you look at all that stuff and you say, first-year head coach, first-time head uh, coordinator – brand new offense, brand new quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It does start to add up, and then you look at 0-4 and you say, hey, maybe we, we didn't consider how long this was going to take. So hopefully they're able to get it together, and hopefully they're, they're, you know the organization has the faith in them to let them get it because obviously Kyle Shanahan, you know, did not, he had less success than Vance Joseph in his first two years, but the organization there had a lot of faith in him, and it looks like this year it's paying off. Next one here is from t Dubs. He says, hey, guys, I'll keep this short. Just a couple quick questions for y'all. Is it possible that they are ignoring the run game in the second half in some effort to restore the fans' faith in Flacco? No. No. Two, if Drew doesn't get hurt in the preseason, is Joe still a starter going into this week? Mm, that's a really good question. It, it would depend on how Drew looked at the end of the preseason. If he, started, if he was really balling playing with the twos at the end of the preseason, he probably would have gotten a whole game or close to one, and he looked really good, I think there's a chance that the calls would be so loud that maybe this, would, this week would have been Joe's last chance. Three is for Mr. B. Four, I know Drew looked good in his last two preseason games, but based on what you guys saw in training camp, is he ready to be a starter? I haven't loved Flacco this far, but I also don't believe in chains for chains' sake either. Would love to get your thoughts. Thanks for the amazing coverage as always, guys. And I think this goes back to the last comment before the guys left, which is, the change for change sake if you if you're doing if if the Broncos were 2 and 2 right now or even 1 and 3 and, and maybe 2 and 3 after this week and and you just did change for change sake that wouldn't make sense the reason that you need change for change sake right now is that it's not really just for change sake it's for the future there is no evidence that Drew Locke is ready to be a starter yet But you're never going to have that evidence this season unless you throw him in there and see what happens. And if you give him eight games, you don't feel like you cheated him because he can have a bad first three games and then it can click for him. And if he has a good last five games, good last four games, if he has a really good last three games after starting off really rough, then you at least can see the future there. The problem is you need to give him enough of a sample size to learn a little bit while he's out there because he's never going to learn that stuff until he gets out there. And you need to know what to do with your what looks like it's going to be a top five pick. You can't just kick the can down the road and say, well, we, we have Drew Locke. And then if Drew Locke doesn't turn out to be the guy, your, your rebuild is kicked back another couple of years. You need to find out if Drew is the guy so you can go into next season and, and really just go into the draft knowing what you need to do. From T-Bay Broncos fan, this must be Mace says, hey, guys, realistically, what could we expect to get a trade? uh, What would we expect to get in a trade for some of our veterans? Something like this? Thanks. Oh, and love the rebrand. Signed DNVR's only Thunder Bay subscriber? I have no idea where Thunder Bay is, but it sounds like a sweet water park. Um, So let us know where that is. And if anyone else is from Thunder Bay, chime in. I think we've talked a lot about the value there. I mean, Vaughn should be in the first round category. Chris, you hope to get in the second round category. Emmanuel, you'd probably be in the third round category. Who knows if they're going to go down this road or or whether they should trade a guy like Vaughn. Uh, But that's what you would hope to get. And if you were able to do that, it would really help you in terms of having the pieces for a rebuild. Next one here is from ATL Bronco. Well, since the season is officially over, here's a would you rather for you guys. Would you rather win the Super Bowl every 10 years but have the nine seasons in between look like these last three seasons or only win the Super Bowl every 20 years but have the other 19 look like 2011 through 2015, which, of course, were very competitive and solid seasons? Thanks for the great content in these dark times. Go Broncos. Wow. Uh, If you had asked me the year after 2015, going into 2016, what would you rather? I would have said take the Super Bowl every 10 years um because I didn't know what this is like knowing what I know now I would actually trade the one Super Bowl every 20 seasons to be good in every other season you know you can't while that's the way it was in 2015 2011 through 2015 you can't expect to win the Super Bowl every year it's just not possible but you know what the seasons are entertaining, every game matters. You're playing in playoff implication games at the end of every season, seedings on the line, all of this stuff. It's so fun. It's so there's so much energy. The city is such a better place honestly when all that stuff is happening, whether it's, you know, the Nuggets, the Avs, the Rockies, or the Broncos. When when a team is making a playoff push and all the games matter, there's a there's just a different buzz in the air. So with that in mind, I would actually take half the Super Bowls, as long as they were just good every single year. I wish um, – maybe if, if you could remind us, ATL Bronco, comment that again tomorrow so I can get the guys' takes on that. But my perspective has changed over these last four years. All right, the last one here is for, from Virginia Beach Broncos. He says, start Brandon Allen now, version 3.0. Okay, now that we're 0-4 and, and missing one Bradley Chubb, can we please bench Mr. Flacco? Not because Allen will get us to the playoffs, of course, but because if we're rebuilding, why in the world wouldn't you replace anything that isn't working? Well, you could make the argument that Flacco is working. But he says, and make no mistake, Flacco isn't working. His numbers are all right, but you've been expertly pointing out what he isn't doing, what he might not be capable of doing, and that's bringing excitement to this team and to this city. Whether it's body language after a touchdown or his lack of confidence in his own defense, the QB is the most important ingredient to this team's success that isn't named Fangio, Elway, or Trust. And it just isn't working. All of the comments you've made about Flacco isn't about of his lack of skills. It's about his lack of passion and his heart. And everyone's counting down the weeks to Locke. Not because Locke's the answer, we just don't know, but because Joe is not the answer. We do know that. So why on God's green earth are we keeping him out on the field? A previous commenter stated that Flacco's the only thing keeping us from being on par with the likes of Miami and Washington. Keeping us from being on par with, with uh, the likes of Miami and Washington. Well, guess what? That's not a good thing anymore. We're no longer competing with Oakland and L.A. We're competing for the number one overall pick. If nothing else, it will give the offense five weeks of working with an inexperienced quarterback who hasn't taken an NFL, a snap in the NFL yet, a skill set that I'm sure is different than working with uh, behind the predictably experienced Joe Flacco until week nine. I can think of several reasons to bench him. I can't think of one to stick with him. Well, I can, and it it comes down to the fact that you still have all these veterans around. Um, If you just, you know, uh, start Brandon Allen now, a guy who most likely the veterans know is the third best quarterback on this team, you could cause real problems in the locker room. And and I know we've already talked about guys requesting trades and stuff and whatnot, but there are people who are going to be here uh, from here on out. And – Vic Fangio is likely one of those guys. You don't want the players to lose absolute trust in Vic Fangio. Because remember, like we said, Vic Fangio has to keep the guys up that, that, that he wants to win every week. And if you bench Joe Flacco, a guy who's won a Super Bowl for Brandon Allen, a guy who hasn't taken a snap and, and isn't a guy like Drew Locke, who you know, your general manager called the future of the franchise – you really risk uh, some massive problems and some, and some serious uh, revolt in the locker room. So I, I understand your point, Virginia Beach Broncos, where you're just saying, like, just change it because what, what's the point of not? See if Brandon Allen can do something. See if he can bring some fire. I get that. But especially while they're still here, you don't want these veterans turning on Vic Fangio, you, it, things can get really, really ugly if you do that. All right, folks. Thanks for all the comments. I believe we had 50 today, so that's pretty impressive. Um, and before we leave, I want to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. You know supporting local business is in our blood, and we're excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. DRC is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, DRC has provided the highest quality of products, from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses drc offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries including aerospace pharmaceutical construction medical military electronics and so much more an iso certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost effective and will meet your requirements if you're in need of custom design material selection for your project or have a deadline to make for a large order do not hesitate to call denver rubber company 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com backslash dnvr and tell them that we sent you. Alright guys, thanks again for all of your interaction and for chiming in. Thanks to Zach and Mace for hanging in here with me as long as they possibly could. And we will talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos Podcast.
1: I am the problem You are the cure but if this is progress How can we be sure Take my seat at the table Take my foot out the door My taking advantage is taking its toll I took you for granted Till you couldn't take any more Take any more man's floor I've taken your body I've taken your soul I took you for granted but You just can't take any more Oh, take any more